Hey, welcome to Political Football with Cleve, Dave, and Maddie Ice. How you guys doing today? What's going on, Cleve? Hey, good, there. man. Good, good, good. What's uh, what's everyone up to? How's your week going? Uh, no, the week, uh, the week was fine. No football over the place. When we get to these games, we're going to start talking about a game that was played last Wednesday, and end with a game that hasn't happened yet. And it's Tuesday at one twenty-five in the afternoon. So it's just been an insane week. Wow. I mean, you think at this rate we're gonna see a lot of this type of stuff or what uh i think that we are going to see a lot of random football games played at random times because i don't see the situation getting better and the nfl has clearly shown through making the broncos play with no quarterbacks and the ravens play on days of the week that don't exist that they do not care they will get these games in wow so hey matt do you think that uh, there's a tipping point like there's a hey you got to draw a line a line in the sand and say hey we got to stop this what do you think uh, the NFL's bottom line, probably, yeah. uh, something like that. But uh, what I'm really hoping for is that we can start keeping track of all of the Christmas-related broadcasts that bump NFL games to 2.16 in the afternoon uh, on some random Wednesday <laughs> because they need to. Uh, uh, so the tree lighting was one of them. I'm hoping like a live production of the Grinch or something like that will uh, <clears throat> start bumping Ooh. NFL games. and we'll Wait a minute, up. you're fucking kidding me. Like, they you're telling me a tree lighting was more important than fucking football right now? that is correct uh, nbc okay. felt that the um the lighting of the rockefeller plaza tree shouldn't be moved uh and that means nbc i believe aired the gate that's why it was at 340 and to, to quote uh, the great dave that game was butt cheeks so um <laughs> uh and that's also my my take on what the tree looked like before it got its extensions and some color um wow right so the tree looked awful. so the, uh, i thought you were i thought you were kidding when you said i'm not wow kidding. that is you a true that is, serious that is okay. a true statement yeah no i must sound like a jerk off to the listeners for actually saying that but i really mean that like Honestly, I would rather rather watch football than a fucking tree lighting. I'm sorry. Well, but so here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, is that it wasn't that NBC thought that the tree lighting was more important. It's that they had already been advertising for it at a certain time. Oh, and because okay, the tree okay. lighting's going to get a lot of uh, how do I put this? I don't want to offend Cleve here, but like boomers. You know, you don't want to just go and like <laughs> switch the time up on them out of nowhere, or you know, they're gonna make their plans to be in front of the TV and watch watch the tree lighting. So NBC didn't want to move it. Um, and we're talking about white boomers here, right? <laughs> like, let's make that distinction because I'm pretty sure my parents didn't watch the game but watched the tree lighting. And they're also the type of people who watch shows on CBS on a regular basis. Uh, can, so. can confirm. My mom watched the tree lighting. My dad did not. So this is this okay. is holding up. This is see, see, this is, I don't know. I, I must this sounds un-American to me, but hey, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> all right, let's uh, just get into some football, man. What's so okay? So now, so we're going all the way back to last week to the tree lighting game. So it was played at three four in the afternoon Eastern. We had the Ravens fourteen at the Steelers nineteen, and I don't want to talk about this one too much. I just want to have, like remind the listeners that it happened and point out that after this game, despite the fact that the Steelers won, Mike Tomlin said, and I quote, "We sucked." He was aware of the Steelers not playing particularly well last week, and that may or may not become important later on in the podcast. Uh, the direct quote was he was asked, I believe, about their struggles or drops in the red zone or, or something like that. And they asked a stupid question. What do you uh, what, what do you think was the reason? And he said, us sucking. And I think just walked off after that, maybe. I'm not sure. But it was like, OK. And he also called it a, quote, junior varsity effort. Um, so wow. he obviously thought very highly of their 11th win of the season. Right. And so I just want to mention that really just for 
what's going to happen when we talk about Steelers again this week. In the movie industry, they call that foreshadowing. Correct. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So the next game we have here, the first game this week, which is a Sunday game. There was no Thursday night game. We have the Saints 21 at the Falcons 16. Uh, You know, this is a game that featured the Saints who are 100% in the playoffs and looking to be the number one seed versus the Falcons who are definitely not. However, one interesting thing I noted about how the Saints are playing is that Alvin Kamara has been targeted uh, it was targeted 8.9 times per game, basically nine targets per game with Drew Brees. He's been targeted six times total with Taysom Hill, and the Saints are still crushing people. Wow. Uh, so, you know, Taysom Hill this game, 27 to 37 um, uh, for, I don't know, some good amount of yardage and two touchdowns. Also 14 carries for 83 yards. So, you know, they can, they can win multiple ways, which is the mark of a good team. So I think that they're very likely to make like to the nfc title game something like that let me ask you guys you guys think um you know obviously Drew's not going to play forever but you think this is a viable option for them or you think they need a quarterback at some point i don't think Taysom hill is a viable option going forward based on based on what we've seen you know the team around him is is really good i think that you want to have a quarterback that can be good even when the team is when the team is garbage like you would never take Taysom Hill over Matt Stafford, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, so I think Taysom Hill is really good at what he does. He's good at coming and filling in. You know, he's way better at this than like Nick Foles, who might be like the best Nick Foles or Jeff Hotstelter ever. But I don't think he's going to be the starting quarterback moving forward for them. Got you, Matt. What do you think? Also, to note that they have played the Falcons twice and the Broncos in, in this three game stretch. Yes. So, uh, three three games against teams that they should be beating. So I don't know how indicative that is of, you know, the future, but certainly to note if they had played three playoff bound teams, I might feel a little bit different. Uh, but I think Davis is right on target there. I think if you're looking at starting him over a 16 game season, especially next year, let's say breeze doesn't come back and they decide to stick with Hill next year, they're going to be playing a first place team schedule, which is, you know, theoretically a very difficult schedule. Uh, so I think that would be a better sample size to use a statistics term, but they've won, and that's all that really matters in the moment currently. I don't think they're thinking beyond that just yep. yet. Gotcha. Uh, the next game here, we actually have some meat on this bone for sure. We have the Browns 41 at the Titans 35. I just want to note a couple things about this game before we get into it. The first is that the Browns, they won 41-35. They led 38-7. to and I went back and rewatched this game because when I was watching it through on Red Zone, it seemed like the Titans were like roaring back and storming back. The Titans never really had a chance to win. This really was more of a two-score game at the end. But the Browns also did let them come back a little bit. So uh, there's that. The main thing here is that Cleve's favorite player, Baker Mayfield, 25-33, 334 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean... Hmm. If Baker Mayfield puts up numbers like that with the talent that the Cleveland Browns have, they're, in my opinion, the fourth best team in the league. Mm-hmm. So, Cleve, uh, Baker was the first quarterback to have 300-plus yards and four-plus touchdowns for the Browns since 2009. Do you know who that quarterback was? Otto Graham? <laughs> uh, it could be Brady Quinn. Believe Brady, <laughs> Brady Quinn. Holy shit. I would actually say this for Baker, uh, at least in this stretch in which they have looked good. I mean, at the beginning of the year, they looked very up and down, like they were still figuring some things out. But one thing I've noticed about Baker is he has 
cut down on the bad moments in which he has looked really, really bad, and you kind of think to yourself, "What is he doing there?" It's cut down on those a lot, and they the ceiling has kind of he's got coming closer to the ceiling. You're seeing a lot more of that, and when they're running the ball the way that they are. Um, they're going to have a lot of success, and they just really—I I was impressed mainly because we kind of thought the Titans were a better team in makeup and more like emotional makeup, in which they are just a more seasoned team that probably was going to outlast the Browns because the Browns we feel like are still maybe a little immature. Browns took it to them in a way that we really hadn't seen them take it to a good team this year. So I was impressed with that. To today's point a few weeks ago, and I think Matt, you might have. You might have echoed this as well. When Derrick Henry not he, when he's not rolling, they they struggle mightily. So, so Cleve, I, I think that's right, but I think that it's the inverse of what you're saying. So I think that when they struggle mightily, Derrick Henry can't get rolling, right? So they come out this yes. game and they're getting their asses handed to them, thirty-eight to seven. So Derrick Henry ends up with fifteen carries for sixty yards, right? If the Titans got out to a 14 to 3 lead. Derrick Henry probably has 25 carries in this game and it's and it's completely different. Um so games Derrick Henry is game script dependent and not as much as people mm-hmm. tend to think because they are really dedicated to giving him the ball, but if they start getting blown out like they can't just be handed to him. And so related to that, Corey Davis had 11 catches for 182 yards and a touchdown. This is a contract year for him. He's the former number 5 overall pick. And we know receivers can take a while to develop. And it's very likely that Corey Davis is actually as like really good. Maybe not number five overall pick, but first, second round pick. And he's actually deserving of it. Also, uh, somebody pointed out on Twitter. I did not write down who. I apologize. That you can rearrange the letters in Corey Davis to spell COVID's year. So clearly, this kid's going to fall out. <laughs> Um, so Dave, to your point about Derrick Henry, an early indicator that the game was going to go the Browns way, it was either the first or second drive, the Titans got to the one, I think, and they handed it off to Henry and he got stopped on the one in a way that looked very pedestrian. Like it, it was just really odd to see because he, he gets the ball and you think he's just going to steam right in. It looked like there was a hole there. And then all of a sudden he just was down. And I thought, well, that's not a good indicator because they, they can't. I mean, if, it's one thing to not get the big runs out of him. But if you're handing it to him close to the goal line and he's getting stopped on the one yard line in a way that looks like it was very easy, they're going to have a really difficult time. And they're not a team that's built to come back, even though they did come back in this game. But to your point, Dave, they never really were in it to the point where you felt like, wow, this is a game. It felt like the Browns were in control the whole time, despite what the score says. Yep. And the last thing I want to say on this game, uh, the Cleveland wide receiver Rashard Higgins is officially not a dust ball. Is that Hollywood Higgins? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, Rashard Higgins is not a dust ball. Targets to him are valid and they count. So I would just want to get that out of the way because it's going to come up later when he gets like 13 targets a game. But Higgins is Higgins is a good player. Uh, the next mm-hmm. game here, we have the Detroit Lions 34 at the Bears 30. This game was absolutely stupid. The, the Bears just needed to get a first down to kill the clock, and they fumbled on like the 10-yard line. So the Lions scored the game, the game-winning touchdown. I was far more emotionally reacting to other games and endings to other games that were happening around the same time because watching our red zone than to my own team winning. But it was good to get a win. It was good to get a win like against the Bears. Because remember, the Lions lost week one, but DeAndre Swift just dropped the game when he touched down. So it was good to do that. My only note on this game was that Cole Komet 
uh, tight end out of Notre Dame. He's a rookie. He was actually the first tight end off the board this year. He has now passed Jimmy Graham in that in the depth chart, and he's not looking back. And he looks really, really good. Two things to note about this game. One, Dave, did you catch wind of what turned out to be a hoax? Uh, Matt Patricia t- burner Twitter account earlier this week. Oh uh, yes. Um, who? Yes. Fantastic. Fa- absolutely fantastic. I wished it was true. Uh, it wasn't, unfortunately. But uh, rest in peace, Eddie P on Twitter. And uh, the other thing about this game, and Dave, you could speak to this a little bit better, but everything that the team was saying afterwards, it was seemed pretty obvious that they were a lot happier playing um, without Matt Patricia there than they were with him. Well, yeah, I mean, you have Kenny Galladay liking the post of Patricia getting fired on Instagram. You know, I mean, I think I think that pretty much uh, uh, says says it all there. This burn your account just real quick. Uh, so there was a, an account on Twitter that was trying to pretend like it was Matt Patricia and Cleve. What this account did is that it stopped tweeting pro Patricia things when the season started, and then picked up immediately after he was fired. Right? Like, oh, the coach oh. is too busy to be tweeting. That's why it's him. But it was too obvious. Mm. It was Eddie P. So Matt Patricia's middle name is Edward. Like, yeah. they just made it, nobody would have a burner account like that. Like, my burner account wouldn't be, like, Michigan fan 420, you know. Like, you know, it just wouldn't be anything so obvious. So, but it, was, it was fun yeah. to, but while it lasted. It was. Also, I can't wait for Matt Patricia to be the uh, Jets defensive coordinator next year. So, we'll get to that later. <laughs> wow. My only thing about this game is... Uh, who does Jimmy Graham play for? Is he still yes, in the he league? plays for the Bears, and he was actually playing very well to start the season. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, he's about 5 million years old now, and it just took a while. For, you know, tight end and wide receiver takes a while generally to develop, and it just took yeah. Cole Komet a little while to get going, but he's left Jimmy Graham behind. Jimmy Graham is now yes. he's now Cameron Bright. Like, that's just what he is. So, Cleve, wow. Cleve, last week you asked me to give you more of you didn't realize they were still playing. Yeah, And you kind of beat me to that one. But the other one that I saw outside of Adrian Peterson getting uh, all of his carries inside the five and scoring two touchdowns, um, uh, <laughs> your boy Mohamed Sanu is a Detroit Lion. No yes, he is. Way. Go Rutgers. After the, after the no Patriots way. traded like a second-round pick to then cut him in the offseason, he is now a Detroit Lion. Wow. So and if Matt Stafford gets hurt, he's also our best quarterback. That's all uh, right. <laughs> so the next game here... This game, this game sucked. The Bengals 7 at the Dolphins 19. The only thing interesting about this game, well, two things. One, Tyler Boyd scored, had one catch for 72 yards and a touchdown, and then got ejected for throwing a punch at Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard also got ejected, and I have to say, I think that these were two of the softest ejections I've ever seen. Mm, yeah, like, I, I that agree. particular, yeah, yeah that, that incident was definitely very soft. The incident later in the game, was well, different. right, and so that's the point I was going to yeah. make. So then later in the game, there's a um, the Bengals are punting to the Dolphins, and they basically just run over the punt returner who signals fair catch. It was a, it was a, a, just an egregious hit, and so the sidelines sort of clear, and now you've got like Devontae Parker in the middle of this thing, just throwing punches, and other people are throwing punches for both teams, and so what's the point of ejecting Tyler Boyd and Xavier Howard to get control of the game if they're going to just all brawl? later in the game i just i think that the nfl should not suspend boyd and howard for any more games but maybe come down a bit harder on the players who were involved in the later brawl and how about coming down there for a fucking <laughs> shit game like seriously just find these fucking teams for shit games seriously. so what are we making of the whole to a situation dave because 
the the circumstances of him getting benched in the beginning was well he was hurt and then Flores comes out and says well actually he wasn't hurt and then last week Fitz plays because Tua's hurt and now Fitz comes I mean uh, Tua comes back in again I, the whole situation is very very odd and I'm wondering are they you know, sort of doing Tua a disservice with this start stop again stuff or you know was it just the fact that he was injured and then we'll call it that? And Flores just didn't want to say it at the beginning. Well, I think Tua has more career wins now than Sam Darnold. So I think Tua is doing just just fine with it. It's, it's a rough situation because Ryan Fitzpatrick is good enough to lead the Dolphins into the playoffs. But I think that his ceiling is actually capped. Like I mentioned way back early in the year, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is the perfect quarterback to absolutely destroy bad teams. But I don't think his ceiling is there. He makes too many mistakes to beat better teams. And this team's going to the playoffs, I think, personally. So if that's the case, you want to get Tua in there now because uh, getting Tua's ceiling out of him in December and January is how the Dolphins could win the Super Bowl this year. It's not going to happen. But if, if, if I tell you now, if I get the DeLorean and I come back and I say the Dolphins just won the Super Bowl, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, my God, Tua blew up. Right, it wouldn't be like, oh my God, Ryan Fitzpatrick got the job back. So you just gotta let leave Tua in there and you know gotcha. see see what he can do. Yep, gotcha. Uh, the next game here was an exciting finish, but still somehow also a crap game. It's Jacksonville twenty four at Minnesota twenty seven. So Delvin Cook in this game, Cleve Delvin Cook had thirty two carries, thirty two carries. How many yards did he have? Uh, yeah, one twenty. Like on thirty two carries, again. If Delvin Cook has 32 carries, he should have 200 yards rushing. Um, against Jacksonville, yes. <laughs> you know, that that to me is a glaring red flag. But the real thing I want to talk about this game is Justin Jefferson. And personally, I think that the race for Offensive Rookie of the Year is over. Because uh, we'll talk about Justin Herbert later. But listen to some of these stats I found uh, rolling through Twitter on Justin Jefferson. So, first of all, for receptions more than 20 plus yards downfield, so not catching runs, but where you catch the ball more than 20 yards downfield, Tyreek Hill and DK Metcalf are tied for second with 12. Justin Jefferson has 14. The five wide receivers as rookies have hit 1,000 yards in their first 12 games. They are Justin Jefferson, Anquan Bolden, Odell Beckham, Marcus Colson, and Randy Moss. That's great company to be in. Era, only Randy Moss has more fantasy football points scored in the first 12 games than Justin Jefferson. I mean, we're talking like, wow. we're, we're really getting to some rare, some rare statistical numbers here. And it's not like, I mean, Kirk Cousins is fine, but it's not like he's playing Patrick Mahomes, right? His team's not particularly good. Yeah. I, I, I think that we have to really start thinking about Justin Jefferson as like Devontae Adams two years from now. And if you're in a dynasty sort of fantasy league, Get him now, mm-hmm. you know. Tr- trade away Julio and even Duke Hopkins because he's older. Like, just go get this kid. I think this kid is is fantastic, and the numbers back it up. And to me, he is the offensive rookie of the year. Let me ask you guys something. So, as we know, the MVP award is always normally like uh, offensive mm-hmm. situation most of the time. Is the rookie of the year defense? I'm sorry, is rookie of the year like that as well? Is that why they have a defensive? Play of the yeah, year they do both offensive and defensive, and I think for that for that uh, okay. exact reason that they also do NFL Defensive Player of the Year, which is really NFL Defensive MVP. Um, they they okay. could just label it like that if they if they wanted to. They just want to have the one MVP, except for when they 
uh, are too much of cowards to just give it to Barry, so they split between him and Brett Favre, now that I'm bitter 23 years later. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this game actually went to overtime, and the Vikings won in overtime, and it was exciting and whatever, but like the game just wasn't wasn't that great. No, I think I texted you, like, is this, is this, can this end now? Can we... Like, we were, like, in the 4 o'clock hour, and I'm like, we're still watching this fucking game. But ironically enough, the game wasn't very good, but it still had some interest and intrigue because of the game that we'll get to later revolving the number one pick. But my only other note, and I said this offline to you guys, is if the Jags win this game or they win, like, one or two games, some team's totally going to overpay Mike Glennon again, aren't they? <laughs> um, because it just was one of those, and I'm like, are you kidding? I was like, this guy has been everywhere, it seems, and... <laughs> Some team is going to overpay this guy because he has a decent stretch at the end, but they didn't end up winning. I just he, because remember the Bears picked him up and I think immediately benched him for Trubisky. Yes, uh, right, and that was yeah. only a few years ago, but it just was like Mike Glennon still. And I mean, they were in the game until the end, and I just thought they're totally going to win this freaking game. And you know, some some poor poor team who's just looking for a stopgap is totally going to pay him, but maybe not. Anymore. So I. Well, I think I think so, that Mike Glennon is actually a great backup quarterback. Um, I don't I don't think he's terrible. I just think he's never good enough to be a, a, to like lead a team through an entire season. And I think that there are different kinds of good backup quarterbacks. You have mm-hmm. like Mike Glennon, who knows he's a backup quarterback, and that's the role he's going to play, and he'll get paid like it. Um, and then you have like Jameis Winston, who's waiting for his next opportunity. I think that the Jameis Winston types are like what Sam Donald will be next year. I sincerely think they should just go to the XFL and just like get get reps and get eyeballs on them and play well and come back in because like sitting for a year for Jameis sitting behind Taysom Hill right now, what is that doing for him? I don't think it's doing very much. It's, right. No, right. he's getting them older. He's right. And Sam Darnold sitting older. behind Jared Goff next year, like what's it gonna do? Like it's not gonna do anything for him. Now somebody like Mike Glennon on the other hand. I don't think he'll be overpaid again, like you said, Matt, but I think that he will be a very highly paid backup quarterback for a team that has playoff aspirations. Like, I think if you're the Seattle Seahawks, Mike Glennon is a great backup quarterback. Oh, I totally agree. But you know what I was saying about overpaying him to, like, be their de facto starter? Yeah, like the Bears will fail again. Yeah, maybe. I yeah. mean, it's very possible. And we'll get to the, you know, we got to the Bears earlier, but it's very possible because I'm sure Mike Glennon at this point, they're like, man, we should have kept him. He's probably better than everything we have. <laughs> I would, I would love for us to at some point know who is like the ultimate journeyman in the NFL. Like, it's got to be right over the years. I was going to say, is that really, I mean, since, he, <laughs> since he's played for like three or four different divisions, I mean, I sent you the electoral map of teams that he's thrown an interception for. And he was like halfway to 270. Yeah, I mean, he's played. So in the CFL, because there's so few teams and the quarterbacks can play for a long time, players like Damon Allen, I think Damon Allen played for like four teams twice. But like, oh Patrick God. is the version of that in the NFL because there's 32 teams. He's played for eight of them. Like, that's ridiculous. If they ever made a journeyman yeah. wing to the Hall of Fame, it would be called the Fitzpatrick wing. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you would think, um, what was the guy that was married to the play? Jeff Garcia. Oh, Jeff Garcia. You don't think Jeff Garcia or Jeff George, <laughs> one of those fucking guys, played? For but the thing is, they years. weren't very good. I mean, Jeff Garcia was good for a stretch. He played in Canada too. Yeah. Uh, but Jeff George, Jeff George wasn't mm-hmm. very good. Jeff George is Mike Glennon. He was just overdrafted. But yeah, I mean, I think that Fitzpatrick is is clearly the answer to this question. The quarterback position and the running back position. It's Frank Gore, uh, who is going to come <laughs> up later in this podcast. 
so, but yeah, you know, if we're talking journeyman, we're talking Frank Gore, um, and uh, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. The next game we have here, also an exciting end. And Matt, I'm going to let you talk about this game because this is your beloved division. The Colts 26 at the Texans 20. Matt, what do you think about watching this game? I was happy that I didn't have to watch the whole thing. <laughs> uh, but a couple things. You mentioned Jeff George. I just want to say, born on this day, both Philip Rivers and Jeff George. So uh, happy birthday to uh, those two gun. Are you so those serious? two gunslingers wow. and former Indianapolis Colts. Um, this is okay. So this is another one of those games where the Colts eke it out because of, of a fumble at the end of the damn game. Um, but I think it was the first game that Watson had thrown an interception in since like week three yeah. or week four or something yep. like that. The Texans are one of those teams where, first of all, uh, dust ball T.Y. Hilton comes out of hiding and uh, has 110 yards on 11 targets. And it's like, all right. Um, the, I mean, I know the Colts are good, and I know that they have a good offensive line. And their defense has been playing well, but it was like, man, they have eked out some of these games at the very end. Uh, and it's just, they're they're like a couple of bounces away from being 6-6. Six and six. But yet they're 8-4, and four, and this division continues to tell me to go fuck myself because there's two teams that are probably going to make the – that could very potentially make the playoffs for this division. But that snap at the end was heartbreaking because it seemed like a decent snap, uh, and Watson just dropped it. And it was so heartbreaking because you never want to see a game end that way, and it seemed like they were poised to at least potentially tie, if not take the lead and win. Um, that's just my thoughts. And, of course, like – Watson's got nothing. Well, to work yeah, with. yeah, that's, yeah, nothing up. to work with. I mean, David Johnson is getting carries, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Like, but I know that that's their option because <laughs> they got two Johnsons: D- David Johnson and Duke Johnson. And then, yeah, uh, that's about yeah. It. So, Cleve, Houston. To Matt's point about Watson having no nobody to work with, Cleve, Houston had two wide receivers with over 100 yards in this game. Can you name them? Not even gonna try. Houston, so so Wolf Fuller's out. No, uh, is out suspended. Uh, Duke Hopkins is in Arizona. Uh, Brandon Cooks is on the team. He was not one of them. Can you name these two receivers? Oh, no, not they not were to save Kiki Kuti. Oh, yes, gosh, and Chad Hanson. Uh, brother of Scott Hanson of Red Zone. It, it, it sounds like it could Chad be. Hansen, the uh, have a seat guy from like the Catcher Predator. Oh, that was Chris, Chris Hansen. Hansen. But very, very Hansen, good yeah. reference, though, because I definitely uh, used to get a, a lot of amusement about. So, what are you doing? Here? <laughs> he used to walk in the room. Show. Yeah, well, I think when Chad Hansen showed up for practice this week, Deshaun Watson had him sit down and was like, "Do you think you belong here? This is appropriate, You're Chad Hansen. What are you doing? Um, you got a pizza? What are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, so they each went for over a hundred yards. And Matt, I do disagree with you about the snap to Watson. I think that the snap was terrible. It was low and like by his foot. I, well, I couldn't yeah, no, see that's it center, very that's well. center I didn't see up. the, I didn't see it live, and I didn't like the, didn't really catch a replay. But it just, he looked so disheartened by dropping yeah. it that I, it made me, made me think that perhaps he could have had a shot at it. But the other shot that they showed was JJ Watt with the the fuck am I doing here right. look on his face after. <laughs> no, that I play. can't wait to be a Seahawk face. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the only <laughs> other thing I want to say about this game is that. Uh, given how Deshaun Watson is playing with the Dustball Johnsons and Chad Hansen and Kiki Kuti, who really does exist, uh, I think that Deshaun Watson is the second best quarterback under the age of 30, and I don't think it's particularly close. 
Not yeah, related. I Does Romeo Cornell not look like he'd make a great Santa Claus? <laughs> because like he he had this, huh? Well, no, he had the uh, he had the glasses, and I'm like, man, he looks like such a great like old ma- like old man guy. You put a beard on him, this guy's killing Santa Claus, and he looks like he's so nice. I was just I have random thoughts like this, so pardon the listeners if they think that's stupid, but look at him again and tell me if you don't think he'd make a banging Santa Claus at your Christmas party. He is like the oldest coach in the league right now, right? Like he's the oldest uh, person. Is he older than right? Belichick? Belichick's almost 70. Yeah, no, so Cornell's Carol. 73. He's the oldest. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, he's the oldest. Yeah, he's the oldest right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so he's he's by far the oldest. And like I said, he's he's doing okay because that team is actually pretty talented. So that's uh, that's more of an endeavor to Bill O'Brien. The next game we have, we have the Eagles 16 at the Packers 30. Um and not too much in this game. I mean, the Packers came out and did exactly what they should do. Aaron Rodgers, 25-34, 295 yards, three touchdowns. Devontae Adams, 10 catches, 121, two touchdowns. Um, the real story in this game, though, is that Jalen Hurts finally got put in for Carson Wentz. This is taking too long, man. I mean, I I get it that you got to hit your wagon to the guy that, that you're paying a lot of fucking money to. But at some point, you know, in uh, in the coach's defense... Like, how many times are you going to try to get this guy going? He just didn't, this year might be an off year for him, but he's he's regressed so much from the two years that he that he took the team on his shoulders before Foles stepped in and obviously took him to the promised land. What do you guys think is the fucking problem? Well, I have a stat that might help that. Uh, Wentz it was his 10th consecutive game getting sacked three or more times um, this year. I think he's been sacked like 40-something times. And the last, that's the only the second time this century that that's happened. So when, when you're under that much duress, that's definitely not something that's very helpful. It's a tired argument. I get it. It's not the only problem, but it is something to look at when your quarterback's hitting the deck three plus times a game for 10 consecutive games. But then he's also making a lot of bonehead plays. There's- yeah, but I'm glad you, yeah, I'm glad you said that because we never see him running for his life. Like you see him mm-hmm. drop back and then. The pocket collapses on him. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if he's just waiting, checking down too many guys, or no. The what, the pressure's not the him, is, at but... least not originally. The pressure is at that offensive line. It literally doesn't exist. The Eagles' offensive line is more of an idea, right? It's it's more ethereal. It's not really something that is tangible or you can feel. And so that's why, as soon as he gets the ball, he's he's just getting crushed. Um, and now he's making poor decisions uh, because of it. But yeah. you're right, like now. Like yeah. I mean that offense. That offensive line is like a fart in the wind. As soon as the ball gets snapped, like everybody just disappears and he's like running all over the place. But he's also making shitty decisions. I mean, I think I pointed out a couple times the last few weeks where he's thrown balls that I, and Dave, you said, I'm not an astronaut, but I know not to take my helmet off in space. And, you know, we all look at the, we would never make that throw. Like, not even in Pop Warner would we make that throw. Yeah, I mean, Hurts definitely did look better with, with the same offensive line, but at the same time, by that point, the Packers were killing them, and they were just dropping back and playing prevent and whatever. So it's hard it's hard to tell, but definitely Jalen Hurts, I think, gives them a better chance going forward. And I think they're in a similar position as the Dolphins, where if if I were to tell you, come back from in the DeLorean from five weeks from now, and I'm like, the Eagles won the NFC East, you wouldn't be like, oh, Carson Wentz started playing better. You'd be like, oh, Jalen Hurts is really good, right? So... So it's got to be <laughs> now. I went a little bit out of order bringing up this game because I wanted to get Cleve's opinion on Jalen Hurts while he was still, you know, a little bit 
not full of rage because the next game that we're going to talk about is the Raiders 31 at the Jets 28. Clean, do you have any thoughts on this? Jesus. Hi. This is, oh my God. First of all, this fucking cocksucker, this coach stands at the podium and blames the entire game technically on Greg Williams is fucking cover zero, which you and I and Dave wouldn't even put on, on, you know, in Madden, we wouldn't even put fucking cover zero on at all. So, like, honestly, it's a fucking, bro, I, I, I just don't, I don't understand how this guy, this guy is a, this guy's immortal. He's the fucking vampire or some shit. He's probably going to be coaching in 2076 somewhere and just never going to lose his job because you're going to, bl- I mean, Matt and I were talking offline about this and we kind of came up with, you know, you give autonomy to the defensive coordinator to do whatever. But if I'm the head coach, I'm like, hey, cover zero in this situation. We can actually win this game. But it kind of leads credence to Matt's point a few weeks ago when Matt said that we can't win any games. Like, don't win any games. You know, we, we can't risk it here. So let's go cover fucking zero. You know, I just can't do it, man. I, I just like my you guys are, are enjoying wins. I have no wins this season. I put my fucking jersey back in the closet because I didn't want to burn myself with gasoline wearing a fucking Jets jersey. It's just, it's just been fucking horrible. I mean, you know, thank God for Red Zone that we didn't have to watch that, but the fucking Raiders should, they squeaked it out and they should. But when the fucking quarterback on the other team thanks you for the cover zero, so, something to be said so about for, for the listeners, in case they aren't familiar with what happened in this game, the Jets are winless, as we know, and they come back to take a 28-24 lead late in the game, and the, the Raiders are in Hail Mary mode, where they just need to try to chuck it down the field, and uh, Cleve keeps referencing cover zero. What that means is that the, the Jets blitzed seven guys at quarterback on the Hail Mary play. <laughs> And let, let no help with the guy um, across across the board, and to nobody's surprise, what happened is that somebody <laughs> on the Raiders beat double coverage for for the Jets and scored the game winning touchdown with no time left. And I'm just I'm looking up. I'm on his player profiler right now, and I'm looking up Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs was the like 12th overall pick in the draft. And he's the one that caught the game winning touchdown out of um out of Alabama. And so I'm pulling up his uh his information here. Yeah, so they ran cover zero. They left a Jets cornerback, who by definition is terrible, right? Because he plays for the Jets. And single coverage from 50 mm-hmm. yards away on Henry Ruggs. You guys, Henry Ruggs runs a 42740. <laughs> he is I knew this he was coming. Not player profiler. I knew this he was coming. One hundredth percentile of forty-yard dash time. <laughs> I knew this was coming. Like you know, so my sister is a listener and, and her friends. Shout out Janelle. Hope you guys are doing okay in Jersey. Um, so cover zero, as as what Dave mentioned, so we don't get too technical about you know X's and O's here. There's only eleven people <laughs> on each side. If you rush seven people. And you got your speedsters going all out. So Hail Mary's is all out effort to, to get downfield. And you leave a guy with that kind of speed. Because I, I knew Dave was going to dig this up. I, I saw it and I'm like, fuck, he's going to bring this up. So here we go. So yeah, so you know what? 
when Derek Carr probably saw that, he's like, oh my God, like I am going to chuck this thing down the field. Because yeah, all, Ru- all Man, Ruggs did I mean, it was, was, it was just, horrible. Was just run by him. Uh, yeah, no double move, no nothing. Right. It's a, stri- a, it's foot, a foot seven speed. <laughs> uh, this guy looks at Chris Johnson and Deion Sanders and is like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and they just single them up <laughs> at the last play of the game. Jesus Christ. Uh, may yeah, I suspect. may I chime in and offer what could be a controversial take? Okay, on this. Go so for it. this is the way I look at it, and I told you guys last week that it is very possible that the Jets were playing chess versus checkers and not firing Adam Gase because they didn't want to risk a winning streak and losing the first pick. So in all of this happening yesterday in that one o'clock hour, Jaguars almost beat. You know they're 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 almost. You know, they're playing a tough game and the Jets are, are playing a tough game and they're winning. So when I'm looking at this, I'm like, this is the first game of the year in which it looks like the Jets are trying to actively win, right? So uh, Gates, because he hasn't been fired yet, probably feels somewhat immortal to both of your points. He feels like this is his job and he's probably not going anywhere. And Greg Williams, now I'm not a Greg Williams fan, so I'm not, you know, this is really just an unbiased opinion but he's looking at Adam Gase and he's like fucking A like he's probably scoreboard watching and he's thinking if we win this game we're gonna lose the number one pick and I know Dave you said that they also can pick field let's let's just stick on this for a second and he's like we can't win this fucking game like we can't win this game and this guy's gonna win this game so he's like you know what cover zero blitz (laughs) because he intentionally (laughs) wants to lose the game so that happens right they lose the game and everybody's all over the Jets for losing the game in this way. And what does Adam Gase do? He says, you're fired. Because he looks at pro football reference and sees that um, Greg Williams hasn't had a top 10, de- top 10 defense since 2011. And this year, the Jets defense is ranked 30th. And so he can go out in front of the public and say, well, this guy stinks. He made the decision. Despite the fact that Adam Gase is the head coach. Okay? Coach. He's the head coach. Yeah. If he doesn't like that call, he should say no go. But he says yes to it. And I just think the whole thing is funny because I love the idea that enough people on the Jets know that they just need to keep losing and that Greg Williams is like, cover zero, boys. And they're like, what? And he's like, just fucking do it. (laughs) And they lose the game in this fashion, which from an entertainment perspective is wonderful for everybody not named Cleve. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there because I heard somebody say that Greg Williams should have been promoted because he gets the larger (laughs) idea. We need to keep losing so we can turn this franchise around. But... My, so, but Adam Gase, my brother Adam Gase me. firing him though is just such an Adam Gase move and I can't wait till he actually does get fired because he does think he is invincible because the Jets haven't actively fired him yet and he's seeing guys like Patricia get fired right and we know that he's going to get fired but he doesn't think so he thinks that everything that he's doing is working and it just was funny because it looked like they're trying to win yesterday in a game that they absolutely should not have tried to win I mean, if they had lost and then Jacksonville had won, man, their cushion is great now. But they really have no wiggle room. Like if they accidentally win a game and Jacksonville stays at one in, uh, you know, one in fifteen, they could be picking two. And I think they want to pick one. That's just my opinion. So I just wanted to put that out there. My brother is a is a Raiders fan. He's been a Raiders fan since the Bo Jackson days, and he rarely gets on text with me and the family. So me and my sister, we kind of got this thing going, like how we got our offline thing. And he's out of nowhere. It's exciting. He he texts me, 
he says Greg Williams and Adam Gates are national treasures, and you guys should make make a national holiday in the <laughs> Northeast for these fucking guys. Because <laughs> he's a Raiders fan, he's like, we needed that, and I was like, you know what, I I'm not surprised, and I know that the guys are gonna roast me for it, so I had nothing prepared. And thank you guys for being gracious enough to not even mention I mean, it to me today's show. <laughs> So thank you. I mean, when I saw you get beat on that coverage, Cleve, I knew I was just going to hand it to you. Right. I mean, when I saw when I saw that the play at the snap, I'm watching it live. I was like, because I didn't know what I was watching. My brain broke because I'm watching like a, a Hail Mary attempt. So I'm like, I see seven green jerseys on the screen around the line of scrimmage. This can't be right. It's only four people back, and then wow. I see, uh, like yeah. car just float one up with like with intention like he's actually throwing to somebody and i'm like it's not a hell mary he's actually throwing a hat <laughs> and then i see the camera pan i yeah. see the 11 yeah. and i'm like that's henry ruggs and he's just made of light <laughs> just running by everybody like that cornerback was as close to henry ruggs as i would be <laughs> he was just dusted. Uh, now, yeah, before, was... before we move on from this game, though, we do have to talk about the Raiders. Last week, they get crushed 43-6 to by Atlanta. Come back this week. Go across the country again to, to New Jersey to play the Jets. Darren Waller in this game, 13 catches for 200 yards and two touchdowns. This was... <laughs> Did I text you guys? I'm like, whoever yes, had him on uh, fantasy that... just ate well. Yeah. That would be um, me. I had him all over, all over DraftKings and Campbell. Uh, and Derek Carr. Um, and Henry Ruggs. I had Ruggs a lot, too. So, thanks, thanks, Jets. Um, but this was the best fantasy game for a tight end since Shannon Sharp in 2002. Uh, I believe I saw that this was the second time in history that a, a tight end um, had 45-plus points in fantasy. And... Uh, Shout out to anybody who had Mike Ditka on their team in 1961 because he was the other one. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, the other thing about this game I is that Frank Gore got hurt very early on. He had one carry for two yards, so they had to use all the running backs. And Ty Johnson, who got waived by the Lions, might sound familiar. He went to Maryland. Comes in, 22 carries for 104 mm-hmm. yards and a touchdown. Amazingly, if you stop giving all the carries to Frank Gore, you might have a running game. Yeah, Frank is getting that that uh, veteran's preference, you know. Like, like you said, you know, I think Adrian Peterson has it right. Give me the ball, five yards, I can get you five yards. Uh, but Cleve, <laughs> speaking of dust balls, uh, Jason Witten also received a target in this game for the Las Vegas Raiders. So how about that? Yeah, I forgot he was me the, uh, the next Jesus. game we have here, we have the Giants seventeen at the Seahawks twelve. Uh, Pete Carroll. Over the last like two weeks, I says that they've got to be more balanced. They got to establish the run. Russ is cooking too much and all this other nonsense, and they look like complete cheeks this entire time. Like I don't understand it. I don't know why they're <laughs> trying to run the ball with Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. These are not great players. Your best players are Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. If the Seahawks would just commit to having Russell Wilson throw the ball. 40 times a game, they would not lose until they played the Chiefs or the Steelers in the Super Bowl. They would absolutely win every game. Just literally only run it when it's three yards to go for the first down or you're within five yards of the goal line. Literally never run it other than that, and the Seahawks would be better. I'm so mad. 
Isn't isn't yes. Pete Carroll the second oldest coach in the fucking league? Yeah, I think so. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Yeah, I, I, and the reason I say that, guys, is because you know a lot of football passes these guys, and obviously these guys have been around for so long that today's point, how do you not know what your bread and butter is, and you just kind of go like, how can I fuck up the game plan? Yeah, but. Oh, you know what? Let's balance. Let's balance. Yeah, but how could he not know what was working before? It's not like he just like it's. We one thing if the team was bad, but the team was cooking with Russ and was good. And ever since they started to trying to be more balanced, it's like he didn't for football didn't pass him by. He's just game planning like a dumbass. To be honest, like I'm just saying. This is the fucking. This is the fucking guy that. You fed the ball to Marshawn Lynch all the way down the field in a Super Bowl, and then the last fucking, you know, in the in the red zone, you're like, you know what? Let's go with a fucking also, whatever. Also, by the way, you're not so, going to win any games if you're letting Wayne Gallman run for 135 on 16 carries. Like that shit. Ain't yeah, happening. I mean, he said that. Pete Carroll said that uh, <laughs> controlling that, you know, controlling the ball and running the ball helps out the defense. And the defense isn't that good or whatever. And it's like, what, uh, Pete? It helps out the defense is scoring more points than the other team. <laughs> that helps the defense, yes. right? Fuck like, yes. like the Lions yes, won by does. scoring 34 <laughs> points. The Bears scored 30. Does the defense give a shit? Of course not. They won the game. Like, I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. Like, Pete Carroll, it, he coaches, like, he wants to coach against like a dominant running game and a tough defense. Like, every coach wants to be the 85 Bears. You just hand it to Walter Payton and play good defense and twice a game throw it deep to Willie Gall. That's not going to work anymore, and it shouldn't work for them. They have one of the most efficient quarterbacks of all time. They have uh, DK Metcalf, who now profiles based on all his stats and everything. His stats, his trends, his physical profile is Andre Johnson and Tyler Lockett. Throw the guy to your ball. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. I, I have a theory. I know why. I know why he's like he wants this balance bullshit. It's because of what Vince Young did to him in the fucking championship game. When uh, he had the greatest performance of a college athlete, um, where they didn't do anything against that, so I think that's why. He, yeah, but, he, he but thinks, oh, let's balance it. Out. Well, it's not going to help when, or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, fucking guy. Also, when the game's on the line, Rush should not be throwing his lone target to Freddie Swain. Yes. Just going to put that. Out. Yeah, Fr- Freddie Swain is working out of Florida. Well, Freddie Swain leaves Florida <laughs> as a wide receiver, and this year Florida's quarterback is a leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy. So maybe Freddie Swain wasn't the most important That's player in the world and should not be getting high leverage targets over DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Right. With the game on the line, like, no time left. I'm like, who the hell is that streaking hey, up the sideline? Oh, a guy who didn't make the catch. Hey, it's the Cameron Brait law. <laughs> no, you got you got to be in the league at least 10 years. Yeah, Cameron Brait's <laughs> He <laughs> could have thrown the ball to Freddie Swain behind his back with his offhand. It would have been a better option than throwing a deep seam to Cameron Brake. So, yes, uh, that's a great point. Uh, at least Freddie Swain can run when he catches it. Uh, and then one thing I do want to note about this game, uh, to bring it back to the University of Michigan, is that Jabril Peppers was all over the field in this game, and he's actually a large part of the reason why the Seahawks did not do a good job on the offense. Uh, Pete Carroll refusing to throw the ball was one, but Jabril Peppers played the best game he has played since he left Michigan. And if he does play at this level consistently, that's going to help the Giants when they uh, try to rebuild, or he's going to leave and go sign with a good team that needs a safety. Like, if he can keep this up, like, it was just really good to see this player who I liked so much when he was in college, like, really start to come through and show out. 
Didn't he have a game where he like yes, in college he played, he played quarterback, like running back, position. wide receiver, blocking tight end, cornerback, safety, linebacker, and rush end, and return to kick and a punt all in the same game. That should be like a Hall of Fame. Yeah, like you're yeah, in the Hall of Fame right now. For that. He was one of the more yeah, dominant college players, um, and he's still returning punts for the Giants too. It was just, it was just really good to see, like, you know, like Justin Jefferson, the receiver of the Vikings, it's translated to the NFL immediately. And Peppers was like, "Why isn't this happening? Why is this not happening?" And then this game, like, he just, he was everywhere, and it was, it was just really great to see. Yep. Uh, the next game we have here, awesome. we have the Rams thirty-eight. At the Cardinals 28, there really isn't that much to say about this game, aside from the fact that I think Kyler uh, Murray is clearly hurt, and I've seen a lot of speculation that he has a mild AC sprain in his throwing shoulder. Cleve, can you talk a little bit about what the AC joint is and what a sprain of that would mean to a quarterback? Um, so obviously he's not getting he's not getting full for rotation or torque at all, and um, you know. We, the three of us, haven't played quarterback, you know, except for a backyard game somewhere or something like that. And the, you have 14 different muscles in your shoulder that, that are kind of interwoven. And if there's a dysfunction somewhere, um, there could be a problem. And, you know, these guys are zipping the ball high velocity. They're running at a, at a you know, at, at, at a high rate. So, yeah, a sprain, obviously, they need to probably, like, nurse that, shut it down. But again, that's a great who's question. Your backup? I have no idea. I have no idea who the backup quarterback is in Arizona. Who's your backup? Aren't they? Aren't they? No, no, they are not. Playoff contention? No, there's. Or, oh, I got. So that's why. So that's why he's still playing on that. And honestly, if they can squeak out another couple of wins to, to secure their spot, they would shut. You know, they should shut him down and rest him. But to keep him going, like uh, this, their backup quarterbacks are Chris Straveller and Brett Hundley. Yep. Wow. I don't. You might know who these guys are. Uh, Brett Hundley started games for the no Packers, but that's yeah, right. that says a lot about how he did. Yep. Um. And then Chris Straveller. I actually have no idea who this person is. <laughs> uh, yeah. But from an X's and O's standpoint, one thing that teams seem to have figured out, whether he's injured or not, Kyler has a very high tendency to want to get out of the pocket laterally. Um, and I've noticed that a lot of these teams are really trying to cut off you know, the edges and make sure that he doesn't get out. And because of his size, you know, being 5'9", he also doesn't have a tendency to step up in the pocket as often as other quarterbacks do. And that's just what we've seen up until now. And if he is hurt and he doesn't have full torque on his shoulder, that's a completely different issue. But I think scheming-wise, it seems like teams are trying to figure out a way to keep him in the pocket and to make him move up in the pocket because he's a lot more comfortable trying to get out to the edge. And he hasn't been able to do that a lot the last few games. I mean, I mean that's mm-hmm. what the NFL does, right? They, they 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 take a year or so to figure you out or figure out how to yeah. how to defense it, and then they do that. So yeah, that's a great point, Matt. That they're sealing the edges. They're like, okay, he's a He's an east-west runner versus a north-south, yeah, so let's just seal off the edges. And, and then the Rams have the us. ability to do it because they seal off the edge, and then they're sending in Aaron Donald on the inside. So like it's you're incent- yes. you're de- not incentivized to step up in the pocket because you know it's coming at you there. Um, and to to be honest, the the Rams, I mean, when they're cooking, they're cooking. Like they know what they want to do. I mean, Goff was extremely efficient yesterday, um, 37-47 for three fifty and a touchdown. 
And they're throwing to the, you know, he seems to be throwing to the right guys. He seems to be following Dave's rules. Um, is he, Dave, no, you're sorry, we'll cut you, Matt. Dave, is, is, is Goff a top 10 guy? Yeah, yeah. So, in, you know, in the league, no. just, just, you know, without getting too, too analytical about it. No. Like, because th- I have a friend that argues to me, because he's a Rams fan, of course, um, and he's arguing to me that, that you know he was worth every dime and all this shit. And I'm like, I don't. I'm like, I don't think that he's a top ten guy. I'll, I'll ask my guys, but I'm no, like, I don't, no. I don't, Jared I don't Goff is not a top ten guy. Now, Jared Goff is very good when you can keep him clean and he's got like you know simple reads to make him mm-hmm. and stuff like that. He's actually really good in that in that situation. But to me, to be a top ten quarterback in the NFL, it needs to be like you need to be a threat with your legs. Unless you're just otherworldly, like a Drew Brees type, right? Um, you need to be dominant even when your team is bad or your receivers aren't good or your offensive line isn't playing great. And he just he just isn't that, right? He's he's not there yet. But the thing is, he's still very young. He's actually still still developing. So he could end up being sort of on that cusp. You know, he could end up being as good as Matt Ryan ever was. Um, he just isn't. He just isn't. He just isn't there yet. Uh, I do want to note real quickly here. So I look up Chris Strebler on player profiler because I'd never heard of him. He's undrafted out of South Dakota. But I get why the Cardinals nice. like him, the backup Kyler. He's 6'2", 209, but he runs a 4.56, and he's got a 130 burst score, which is good for 90th percentile amongst all players. Do you think he would have caught that pass so he, from Derek uh, Carr at the end yeah. of the game? Yes, I think it would have been open by half a car line. <laughs> <laughs> Can we move the so, fuck on, Dave, I want to ask you. This game, to me, screams two different coaches who know one who knows how to coach and one who's still learning how to coach this level. Because last year, the Rams were not very good after making it to the Super Bowl. And we thought, Goff stinks. I mean, Cleveland and I had so many talks about Goff being overpaid. And then this year, McVay retools, right? And they seem to have more of an identity and they seem to know what they want to do. And to your point, keeping him clean, like not very complicated reads, things like that. And, you know, eight out of 12 games, they've been able to do that. Whereas now Kingsbury is seeing Kyler. And again, if he's hurt, that's one thing. But seeing that the teams make an adjustment and he doesn't seem to know how to make the adjustment just yet. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that or not, but I see two two different coaches. So I think, two I different think that places. McVeigh is just a really good coach in general. Um, and I think last year mm-hmm. they got caught in a weird situation because if you remember coming into the year, nobody knew Todd Gurley was washed. Right? They thought they were mm-hmm. still getting back the same Todd Gurley yes. they went to the Super Bowl with. They quickly learned that wasn't the case. They had mm-hmm. built their team around having Todd Gurley. This year, he knows he's going into the season with Daryl yes. Henderson, Malcolm Brown, and Cam Akers. He's no longer planning to have Todd Gurley, so he coaches accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, last year they got Jalen Ramsey in the middle of the season. This year they go into the entire season knowing that they're going to have him. Yeah. So I think had more more stability mm-hmm. around what it is that they know they're going to have going into into the year. So I think this is more about Cliff Kingsbury. Right. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is a good coach. I actually think the Cardinals would do well to just move on from him like right now and try to get an Eric Bieniemy or somebody else. I think Kingsbury is not like I just think he gets it, and I think that he is so outclassed against these better coaches yeah. that he'll never be he'll never be an advantage for the Cardinals. He's got to go against him a day twice. Pete Carroll twice. Yep. Shanahan twice. Shanahan like, twice. That's six games a year where they're at a coaching disadvantage and it's not even close. Yeah. 
And he backed into that job. Like he failed into that job. I mean, think about the fact yeah. that he coached Mahomes in college. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, and, yeah, just quick about the Rams. They're now tied for first with the Seahawks in the division. And I literally have no idea what they're going to do. They could finish 12 and 4, 8 and 8. I literally have no idea. Uh, the next game here, this one's for Matt. We have the Patriots 45 at the Chargers 0. Um, the only thing I'm going to say before I turn this over to Matt is that the wow. Los Angeles Chargers, the last four weeks, they've had 4.5 yards per play. The only two force over that stretch is the Bengals without Joe Burrow. But the thing is, is that the, the Chargers yeah. have all this talent. Uh, Herbert's good. Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler is back. They still can't do anything. So, Matt, can you please explain why your boys absolutely crushed the Chargers 45 to nothing? I mean, Dave, this had to feel so good for you on the anthem. anthem uh, yeah, I mean, just not? yeah, just like to finally just prove like, <laughs> beyond a, a reasonable doubt, you know? Think about this for a second. They let a white guy score on a punt return. They let a white guy score on a 38-yard pass at the end of the game. A guy named Gunner, by the way. Gunner, okay? <laughs> Cam Newton threw for 69 yards, which is such a perfect get, perfect score for, for this game. Jared Stidham had 61 yards passing. For Christ's sake, Anthony Lynn should have been fired at halftime. And the, this game was so... It was amazing. It was like... It's almost as if... And now, the Patriots have a really tough stretch coming up until they play the Jets week... Uh, you know, the last week of the season, but... It's like Belichick has figured some things out about what he has. He's like, all right, we know what we have. We know what we don't have. So we're going to try to win these games in a way that, you know, they're they're not winning pretty. I mean, this game looks pretty on paper because of the score. But the reason the score was so high, turnovers, special teams. And the special teams play like that, I don't know. Maybe, maybe because I'm not a coach, this is a dumb take. But a 59-yard field goal at the end of half seems like when you're down 21 nothing, I don't know. It seems like a really, really high risk to take when you've done nothing right in the first half. And what happens? A block return for a touchdown with no time left. I mean, that the game was over at that point. The Patriots could have just not shown up at the half. And I'm not even sure that Anthony Lynn could have gotten 28 points to tie the game in the second half against no defense. Like, that's how bad they looked. And they have no business looking that bad. Not on offense. Like, Herbert being 26 of 53 is not, it's not some aberration that Bill Belichick, I mean, I know Bill Belichick is like now 21 and 5 against rookie quarterbacks, but I feel like sometimes those stats don't tell you anything. I mean, this was a coaching mismatch to the max. That's that's what it was. And I, I joked that, like, sources say that Anthony Lynn was seen being escorted to his car by the owner. I mean, that's how I would have <laughs> felt. I mean, Dave, 69 yards passing for Cam Newton. However, he stuck to the rule and he threw right. it six times to Jacoby Myers. Right? But Gunnar Ozlewski or whatever, like a 80-yard punt return, and then you let him get loose for a 40-yard pass at the end of the game. And, like, short white guys shouldn't be getting punt returns. <laughs> Not against all of these really fast black guys who have way Wait, more I'm, talent I'm, than they do. <laughs> and it's God. just... That's that's what I saw, and I, I mean, obviously, I'm happy. But Anthony Lynn got completely outclassed in a way that is like yeah. I mean, to get I made the him. point to you guys uh, offline that if you give up a punt return touchdown to a white player, your franchise should be folded. And and really, like, 
unless Christian McCaffrey <laughs> starts returning punts, I just don't see it. And before anybody starts getting down on me about that, you point to me the one white cornerback in the NFL and we can talk. The point is, is that you need explosiveness and long speed to return punts for touchdowns, right? Yeah. And that just isn't like like y'all are good offensive linemen and middle linebackers. Sorry, like it just it just shouldn't happen. But yeah, that to me just speaks to how much like forty five to nothing. The, the Chargers quit. Like they, they aren't they aren't even playing anymore. Like mm-hmm. they know that nothing's going to happen. They don't want to be expending this energy, and that's why Anthony Lynn is in a lot of trouble because Anthony Lynn is well loved by anybody who knows him. Like nobody has a bad thing to say about him. But if the team is still yeah. quit on him, then then that that should be the end of that. The owner has said that they're going to wait to the end of the season. Well, he said they're going to evaluate at the end of the season, but we all know what that means. I think that's just out of respect for for Anthony mm-hmm. Lynn as a, as a person. But yeah, they better be talking to uh, hopefully Jim Harbaugh. And on that note, I do have some breaking news here that I'm very happy about. The Michigan Ohio State game has officially been canceled. Uh, just just happened. <laughs> Ohio State opened as a 30 point favorite. Wow. Um, which is their average uh, point spread against MAC teams over the last five years. So that's that's where this game was going to go. Um, so this is great for a couple of reasons. One, I don't need to see Michigan lose this game by 50 to know they were going to lose by 50. We can just take that L without it having to happen. Uh, secondly, uh, there's a chance that this just screws Ohio State out of the playoff because they don't have enough games now to play the Big Ten title game. I don't yep. think it'll happen. I think they'll still get in. I think they should get in. Um, but I just hope that somehow it works out in Michigan getting COVID keeps Ohio state out of the playoff. Like just however we have to beat them, you know, we, we beat them. Yeah. And actually, is I it, don't know what this game was got canceled it, uh, because of Michigan. Michigan's or? game against Maryland got canceled because Michigan had a couple positive tests, but Ohio state had played four games. They need to play six. So they played last Saturday against Michigan state with 23 players out. Like, they were like, come hell or high water, we're playing in this game. The thing is, if you've got 23 players out, it's not a shock that a few days later, it's, it could be up to 30, 35, or whatever. And then there's rules the Big Ten has that you're not allowed to play once you get below a certain threshold. So it's possible this is actually on the Ohio State side and not the Michigan side. The point is, wow. they both have issues with COVID going right now, so they should not play this game. And they're not playing this game, and I'm happy about that. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, Michigan could have won. You never know. That's why you play the games. No, Michigan would have lost this game probably 70 to 7 so i'm glad that they're that they're, we just don't have to see it so so sorry little breaking breaking college news here as we're going hey, dave. Wow. yes uh dave who's the who's the the linebacker or the defensive player on um michigan who they yeah. they did a piece yeah, on him P-Pay. a couple weeks ago like his mom what was his so oh. he he went to my rival high school yeah, Bishop Hendrickson. That was my rival high school um, back oh, in Rhode Island. So yeah, I thought that was a like, 15 crap. draft pick this year. Uh, well, it's funny because the Patriots have a few uh, Michigan guys uh, on the team this year. Uh, but two, a couple more things about the Patriots game to wrap it up. So the game, even at 45 nothings, hit the under. Uh, the Chargers were favored by two, and the game was done in under three hours. Yeah. Wow. So the 46 and a half was the over under. Yeah, so I had a, uh, um, it all a, uh, a couple years ago, the <laughs> Ohio State Indiana over under was 60. And I told my dad, my dad to bet the over for sure. Like that's just way too low. The Ohio State won 59 to nothing. So it, it happens. <laughs> um, 
The next game here. Uh, seems like there's a lot here, but there's really not. The Broncos 16 at the Chiefs 22. And really, this game is coming up with the Chiefs just not executed. And they still are able to win these 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 tough uh, these tough close ugly games even when they're not playing very well. Yeah, Tyree Kill had technically two touchdowns. One of them, but both of them called back. Uh, one for holding, the other one for that they didn't end up challenging. Even though, by all accounts, it looked like he caught it. It's pretty spectacular little play there. It reminded me of the Edelman catch, or the not the Edelman catch, the uh, the one in the Seahawks Super Bowl. I can't remember the guy who caught it on like the five yard line. That bounced off of like yeah. six players and ended up in his hands. It's kind of what it reminded me of. But Cleve, if was that Golden mm, Tate? No, he's playing <laughs> for the Giants. Um, but Cleve, if you said if you saw like Chiefs scored twenty two points, what would you say about Mahomes' stat line? Um, twenty two points. He's probably thirty uh, two for thirty seven. Uh, I mean, yards. 25 of 40 for 318 and a touchdown. Like, it's just amazing how they struggled and didn't execute it. His stat line looks better than, like, almost every other quarterback in the league this week. Wow. <laughs> just... And then Drew Locke's stat line looks exactly like you think it would. 15 of 28, 151, two touches and two picks. That's it. <laughs> yeah, go back. Yeah, and go. Uh, so, yes, I mean, they yeah. struggled, but they struggled and they won. And they actually looked okay doing it. They really just sort of you know, fell apart in the red zone, but really they yeah. just, you know, missed some passes, you know, Le'Veon Bell, you know, missed a couple cuts. I don't, I didn't take anything away from this game other than that the Chiefs put a good opponent to play poorly against yeah. and that they are about to just, they're going to continue steamrolling. The, um, the next game here though, very yeah. interesting. This was the first game played yesterday. We have, um, Washington 23 at Pittsburgh 17. Um, and my first note I wrote in this game was just holy shit, because I did not think that Washington had any chance of winning <laughs> this game, really. Um, uh, this is now two bad games in a row for Pittsburgh, so I just wanted to mention the game last week where Mike Tomlin said us sucking and we were terrible and we didn't JV effort and we didn't, you know, we didn't, we only played well enough to, to win this game. And they, they did it again. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers look absolutely awful in this game. So is it possible? Because if remember in 2007, the Patriots, you know, obviously were undefeated in the regular season, but they hit a point where that undefeated streak, like they started to look tired. The game started to look a lot more difficult. Like, and I wondered to myself if there's that because the Steelers obviously had reached a point where they, you know, gotten undefeated. Their, their undefeated streak had reached long enough where it became a talking point. But then all this COVID stuff where they have the game with the Ravens, you know, moved so many times. And then I know that there's teams who play Sunday to Thursday. So this turnaround time wasn't necessarily a big deal, but they're playing in such a Mm non-traditional schedule the last few weeks. I wondered if all of that kind of came into play. And then, of course, I thought it was awesome. Somebody asked Mike Tomlin about, have you lost confidence in your running game? And Dave said two weeks ago, they just stopped doing it because they're not going to. Yeah, I think that the COVID scheduling actually does impact them. Buffalo struggled a little bit earlier in the year for like a a three-game stretch where they had to play the Chiefs and a bunch of games didn't even move and it wasn't their fault. They kept getting moved around. They just didn't look like themselves. Mm Pittsburgh's got the same thing here. They played last Wednesday. Then their game gets moved to Monday night and they're Mm -hmm. playing at five o'clock on a, on a Monday, the game's not even nationally televised. You know, I think that that 
explains a lot of the, the weirdness going on here. Um, the only other note I have for this game yeah. about Washington, aside from the fact that they won the game to somehow like pace for the Giants in the division, is that Chase Young is the best rookie in this class, like regardless of position. And I gave all that praise to Justin Jefferson, knowing I was going to say this about Chase Young. Yeah. It's funny. I think the Steelers and the Patriots suffered from the same thing when they had their games. I mean, because Tomlin and Belichick run a very tight, you know, sort of militaristic style, very regimented. And we said about this about the Patriots. I think, Cleve, you said it about how being thrown off from that regimen really has an effect on, on, on teams like that. And I wonder if this COVID schedule, because of how they are in their preparation, if that's really taken a toll on them, because I know Tomlin runs what seems like a pretty tight ship outside of, you know. Yeah, Antonio just getting off, getting off the end. routine sort of sort of mess up from there. Um, yep. Yeah. And a team like Washington yep. gets the, the last benefit. Game, the last game we have here that's been played, <laughs> uh, Bills 34, 49ers 24. Uh, yeah, so the Bills are back. Josh Allen, 32 of 40, 375 yards and four touchdowns. And Cleve, leading receiver for the Bills, is not your boy Steph Diggs, but rather Cole Beasley, nine catches, 130 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> and playing very well. Okay, he's still in the league. I got a better one. Wow. Yeah. He's the, he's the old, uh, he's with the Cowboys at one point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wow, Got another one for playing, you, Cleve. Huh? Uh, Jordan Reed caught a five-yard pass at the end of the game as well. Jordan Reed, the, the one that had like like ten thousand concussions. That's correct. The note on this game, I mean, wow. so the Bills yeah. are obviously mm-hmm. better wow. team. Now, this game was played in Arizona because the 49ers aren't allowed to play football in their home county anymore. Yes. And this the stadium where three weeks ago, uh, Hail Mary yeah. through the Hail Murray uh, uh, to. Uh, uh, New Hopkins. So the Bills had to go back to the scene of the crime. They just show up and handle their business. The 49ers, they are an established the run sort of first team, especially when they have Nick Mullins, a quarterback. They had 21 carries for 86 yards as a team. So they lose. Yeah. 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 I mean, and Shanahan's doing the best that he can. I think the fact that they're five and seven is a testament to that because they could be a lot worse. With what they've dealt with, yeah, they could be yep. Jets. They, well, with what they've dealt with, <laughs> especially in that division where all the teams were in playoff contention. As of, uh, yep, as absolutely. Of the, the uh, they so then we speak. have the game coming up uh, tonight. Uh, we have the Cowboys at the Ravens, and this game is actually important for a couple of reasons. And so, since by the time the listeners hear this, this game will have already happened, I have an opinion for either outcome. So here we go. Yeah. Um, if the Cowboys have won this game. They are now definitely in the competition for the for the NFC East because next week they get to go to Cincinnati, which not only is do I think the Cowboys are now better than the Bengals with Brandon Allen or Ryan Finley, whoever's playing. Uh, it's Andy Dalton going back to Cincinnati, so he's going to be fired up. So I think that the Cowboys are winning next week. So if they win this week as well, they should be pulling right in sort of with Washington and the Giants. If the Ravens win this game, I actually think that they're going to make the playoffs even though they'll only be 7-5. and five. But their last four games are the Browns, which is difficult. I can't believe I'm saying that. And then the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals. So they end the season with three wins. So if, if they yeah, win I mean, today, they yeah. should, the Ravens win tonight, they should end but, up 10-6, which is good enough to get in no matter what. But think about this. Yeah. If the Ravens lose tonight, they're three games behind the Browns in that division. 
Like, yeah. I was just, just going to say that. And so <laughs> even if they end up beating them next week, that's such a large hill to climb, especially when we've said that this, the the worst that we think that, and this was before the Browns beat the Titans. We thought 10-6 yeah. was probably the worst that Cleveland could do. And at this point, they might be at a 11, hell, maybe even a 12-win ceiling because they've shown us something recently. So the Ravens have gone from, what five and one? Yeah, and the thing for the Ravens is that they're three games behind, the, behind the, Browns. the Browns, but I'm I'm not going to do the math. They're like what 84 games behind the Steelers or whatever, so they're not winning their division. So the only thing for them is yeah. just making sure they get in. So <laughs> as long as they're they're able to get in, and so the Browns are in, the Steelers are in. If the Ravens go ten and six, they'll get in, and the mm-hmm. real pressure then goes on like the Dolphins, right, or the Patriots if they try to make a run here. Ten and six. Well, I was gonna say the the Ravens lose some tiebreakers that are gonna start to get interesting because that. So as as funny as the Jets' outcome was, I, there was some part of me that was rooting for the Raiders to lose because the Patriots beat them earlier in the year. So those tiebreakers start to matter, especially since they've made a little bit of a run here. So like the Ravens lose their six and six. Well, they lose a tiebreaker because they lost head to head to New England. So yes, th- yes, those things start to matter. Ten wins pretty much got you in automatically the six playoff teams. So seven, it'll, no, I know. it'll, it'll get you I, in. I and agree. I think the Ravens, if they win tonight, um, will will get to that ten, that ten win, ten win mark. So the Dolphins and the Patriots should really be yeah. rooting for the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. I was just saying, like, you know, th- this time of year is when some of those random wins or losses start to hurt you because you have to stress out a little bit more about what other yep, teams are absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Start doing a little bit so, more scoreboard uh, watching. Before we do next week's preview, I did want to mention that last week I did tell the listeners that Auburn and AM would be a good game to watch for some NFL prospects and that Alabama LSU would be good. I just want to quickly touch on Alabama. I mentioned Devontae Smith, the wide receiver for Alabama, who will be probably the second wide receiver off the board in the discussion for second wide receiver off the board. So again, this is against LSU and against a cornerback who will be the first corner off the board in 2022, I think. Devontae Smith had seven catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns, and then it was halftime. So uh, yeah, watch Alabama. They play <laughs> Arkansas this week. If you didn't see him last week, you want to see Devontae Smith, your your team, because he's a wide receiver. He can go literally anywhere, and you want to see if your team's going to be a team that can have him. Um, as we look into next next week's schedule here uh, quickly, uh, we don't have that many great games, but the good games we have are all concentrated around primetime. So the Thursday night game is Patriots at Rams. Um, a hugely important game for both. The Patriots, given what I just said about the Ravens, they really want to win out to try to get 10 wins to make sure they get there. 9-7 and seven is going to be a sweat. So if Patriots can pull off this win, that's really good for them. The Rams, of course, trying to yep. win their division. Uh, let's see here as I'm just going through the games that are on the regular slate. Cardinals at Giants. All of a sudden, that's a game the Giants could actually pull off. Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, look and at this. And the Cardinals Your Jets go to the Seahawks to play Josh Adams. So we can see uh, a get-right game here for, uh, for Russ oh, Wilson, hopefully. Uh, the Lions host the Packers. That's a slaughter. Oh, uh, okay. And then, the, yeah, like I said, the primetime game. So Thursday night was good. Sunday night, we have the Steelers at the Bills, which all of a sudden now, with the that's only they're only separated by two games. So that game is huge mm-hmm. for Buffalo if they want to try to maybe steal that number one overall well, feed. Steelers went from 
buy in home field to the number two seed because the yes. Chiefs have that tiebreaker current. I mean, they still have that tiebreaker, but it's like it's very yes, close. No, the number I mean, one seed in the AFC no is going to have at least 14 wins. So you can only get one more, maybe. One more, maybe. So huge game for Pittsburgh as well. And they're not playing well recently. Mm-hmm. And then the Monday night game. I cannot right. believe that I'm going to say this, but it's a must win for the Ravens when you take on a tough Cleveland Browns team on the road. Man, this is but Cleve, this is a game where I feel like I can see you warming your hands on the glow because the Browns don't show up in prime Listen, time. Listen, the Jets are 0-12 over to 0-16, and Cleveland is literally in Brown Cleveland. Who's rooting for the Cleveland Browns here? <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I was telling you guys offline, um, they're actually a lot better than I think. And, and today's point earlier, the way Baker's been playing, if, if Baker plays like that, um, you know, like if he, if he plays like he's, you know, been playing. But again, they they have a I mean, stretch if of we're bad being honest, games, I know, I know that you know, your team is still technically one, so. alive. I don't think they're going to make it. But the they're six and six. They're still alive. But like Cleve, no, our no. teams are not. Like we're rooting for Cleveland to win the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. You know, yeah, like, yeah, you know, it'd, be, it'd be amazing to have this team that like, was winless three years ago just turn around and win the goddamn yeah. Super Bowl. It'd be amazing. Yeah, go Cleveland. Oh, I'm I'm definitely rooting for Chiefs-Browns <laughs> in the AFC title game. Like, that could be spectacular. Oh. Um, and I agree, though, like, Cleveland <laughs> in the Super Bowl, like, so their their jerseys are relatively ugly. What would be the ugliest Super Bowl matchup if the Browns the were Green and wore their, like, shit brown jerseys? Like, what t- NFC team? There you go. I'm with it. Let's do it. Let's make it. Let's make it happen. What? What? The color yes. rush? Like, like the color rush? Oh those are God, personally offensive. Like I want whoever yeah, designed those. Yeah, Seahawks for some too much fiber brown. Yeah, that was. <laughs> did you guys awful. know? <laughs> yes. Perfect. <laughs> Should be an interesting week. We'll always yep, figure clean. something to Get talk out of about. Here. So we will make it happen. All right. All right, man. So, so Matt, any feel good for this week? Yeah, uh, I was uh, dropping my son off at the, the sitters this week, and I, my wife's radio program was on, and they were talking about calling in, and they had, you know, like, hey, if you need any advice, call in. And the one guy called in, and he said, hey, you know, I watch my neighbor kids play basketball. They don't have a hoop. They just shoot up against anything that's over there. And my wife and I wanted to buy them one uh, and, and put it out there anonymously for Christmas. Is that cool? And I thought, you know, that's really awesome. So I, I, I like hearing that kind of stuff around the holidays. It's like, hey, I see these kids. I want them to, I want them to be able to shoot some hoops. So let's uh, do an anonymous thing because I, I just think that's a really good thing. Person yep. doesn't awesome. need recognition for it. So pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. Wow. Yeah. I would love for someone to give us a fucking coach for, you know, do, do that yeah. for me. Give I mean, you coach. could still write Santa Claus a letter and he might be like, ha. <laughs> Romeo Cornell will give you Adam Gase right back. <laughs> All right, so obviously we're coming up against um, you know some um, you know some games towards the playoffs, and we're all hoping you know that we do have um, the sport that we love to watch, and we want to make sure that these guys are safe in their uh, you know displaying their talents every week. But you know we're we're seeing some shocking numbers. Uh, we haven't seen a Thanksgiving surge yet from from all accounts. So let's just hope that we can finish this season. Um, I don't think. To, like today's point, the other sports don't probably have a chance in the next few months. Like college basketball, there's a, a slew of games canceled again this weekend. So we'll see what's going on with that. But, you know, um, we're going to keep this show rolling, guys. We're getting some positive reviews. I don't know what, you know, if you guys get anything from your 
from your listeners telling you how they like it, but everyone that I have sent this show to, they love this setup. So do you think, keep, do you think we you guys should like send a link to the show to Rudy Giuliani to help him out while he's stuff, in the hospital? All right, so <laughs> I wasn't, <laughs> I mean, like I said before with these guys, these guys roll the dice too many times and, you know, we're, we're, we shouldn't be even shocked. Shouldn't even be shocked, bro. But I, I, I'm, I'm more so concerned about. Obviously, I don't want the guy to die. Or anything, but right. I'm more concerned about how many fucking people he, uh, he came right. in contact with. And then that lady, he asked to remove her mask because she, he, he couldn't hear her because he's ten thousand fucking years old. So yeah, hopefully everyone's okay that came in contact with him. But um, this show is getting old. Absolutely. So you know, January twentieth, let's let's get a new regime in. Sounds good, man. All see right, ya. man. All right, so I'll see you guys. So we'll, speaking offline but i'll see you guys next week have a a great week music for today's episode is credited to tom hayden and nfl films